Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast, your number one resource, I say, uh, for board game news, discussion, Kickstarters, tabletop role-playing games, all kinds of things are happening on this show. Very excited to be here this week. My name is Jonathan. And I'm Will. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining with us. And as always, we must start the show with the roll of the die. Mm-hmm. We've been doing a little bit better recently, but so I think the dice gods have been nice to us, but we'll see if this trend keeps going. <laughs> Let's see. 16. A 16. So that's still pretty good. A 16. Last week we had a 17, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, so. it's still, look, it's still in the top 25% tile. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we're staying in a good range. That role, of course, will determine the course of this episode. So uh, thing, things are looking up. Things I think are going to bode well this week. Oh, happy 4th of July. If, oh, of course. Everybody celebrated uh, the 4th of July a couple of days ago. Hey, 16 is four squared. Wow, you really brought it all together. <laughs> that really makes it all worthwhile. Um, hopefully everyone avoided uh, fireworks because they're very loud and they are too bright and they um, annoy me. But if you liked them, then I hope you also enjoyed them. Uh, but today is a great episode because joining our party today, he is the designer behind games such as Tattoo Stories and Monstrosity. Welcome to the show, Eric Slauson. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. And uh, do I get to roll? What am I just to see if I beat you? Can you roll <laughs> you, to see if I if I beat you? If you have a die handy, then please, by all means. <laughs> oh roll man, right where's on. my d20? I only have d6 near me for a prototype. <laughs> uh, so there's no way I could beat you with a 16. <laughs> <laughs> well, we well maybe you're you... using magic missile. You automatically hit. You yeah, just gotta roll, see the damage. Uh, you sure, get to roll sure, your sure. d6 three times. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, let's just just for just for kicks here. Let's see. Just for uh, let's see. Uh, I got a two. That's not a great start. Um, a six. Okay, things are looking up. That's an eight. Okay. And then a three. I'm coming out here with a, an 11. So, wow, all right. You know, right. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> the, show, the show reigns supreme. This is our first ever uh, guest opposing die roll. <laughs> so, this is, this is like, I really like this a lot. Um, yeah, we were just talking about uh, a couple of your games a couple of weeks ago, and you uh, were talking to us on Twitter about it. So, it was awesome. And I thought, hey, you're, you you actually listen to the show. We need to get you on the show. That's <laughs> so thanks for joining us. It's very exciting. And uh, we are going to start by talking about things in the news world of board games. Some very interesting stories this week that are, um, I think, confusing to me in some parts. So hopefully we can get through them together. Uh, that's going to happen right now in the news roundup. News roundup. Okay. So first of all, this is not really news to anybody uh, on a, in a broad level, because in the past year, there's been a thing called the pandemic, and it has caused shipping and manufacturing to just go crazy all over the board. Pretty much every um, medium, everything that's being made, especially if they're coming from China, other places overseas, it's really, it's it's called come to a head lately as uh, it's, it's real news now because Kotaku reported on it. <laughs> of course. Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> they also kind of made this article inspired by uh, Cardboard Edison had an article about this. And then Jamie Stegmeier uh, wrote a, a blog on his site. Basically, the, the gist of it is that freight shipping costs and times have gone through the roof. Uh, it, whereas it used to typically take, Jamie says, uh, five to six weeks for something to get from China to St. Louis. Now it's more like nine to 12 weeks. 
and where a, a freight shipping container used to cost for 40 foot container would cost around $5,000. Now the average price is closer to $15,000. So big increases in price and time. And we're, we're kind of just seeing how this is maybe going to affect Kickstarters as well as just other publishers, whether they use Kickstarter or not. I know that we have received in the last few weeks, a couple of emails that I've seen. I don't know if this is, has carried over to other publishers, but we got emails from, um, both Renegade Game Studios and AEG talking about how they had MSRP increases pretty much across the board, or at least for a lot of their games, by like five or ten bucks maybe for a lot of their titles. So I have to assume that's in response. I think they said that's in response to this that's getting worse, this issue. Eric, you are a designer of games. This is, you know, manufacturing and shipping is something you've had to worry about and Mm -hmm. think about very close and personally. So, I mean, is this something that's affected you? Have you seen this in the past year? And what do you think other reactions are going to be like? How do you think this is going to develop? Yeah, I mean, being a designer, I mean, the more publishers you know, kind of on a personal level, the better. Um, You know, so, you know, you can go to booths and kind of cold pitch and set up meetings and stuff, but it's much easier if you know somebody on an email basis and, you know, or you're in a, a group Facebook chat with <laughs> with them and, hey, here's my prototype. So being in those close relationships, I, this is, I am just hearing about this constantly from from all of my, my publisher contacts. I know they're all, you know, stressing out and it has trickled down a little bit to the design side because you... I mean, on one side, when you're designing, you're designing, thinking about it as a game, you know, is it fun and, and you know, the mechanics and stuff. But um, you should also somewhat be thinking of it as a product, you know, like, is this, you know, if you have a ton of minis in your game, then you are, you should already be thinking, OK, it's going to cost about this much to make. So I should be pitching it to these types of people. Is it enough fun to justify $80 or 100 you know, um, so you, those things are kind of always in the back of my mind, but um, so, you know, thinking about how prices might get um, changed a little bit and what that, that kind of mental spreadsheet looks like now of fun to cost to components to even time to produce, you know, if, if I'm signing a game now, um, you know, typically maybe two years, it's going to come out um, a year if it's all the way done and they just need to, you know, slap their name on it or something. But now, you know, if it's going to take even more months to get it shipped over here, or maybe the publisher is trying to wait this whole thing out, it means that, you know, my game might not come out for another year or um, on ho- on top of what it was. So two years might be three years or one year might be two years. And so, yeah, it's, it's um, affecting everything all over the place. Yeah. Do, do you think that this might, uh, I'll pose this question to anyone who wants to answer it. <laughs> you know, obviously from the, uh, distributor side, there's a lot of hurdles here, but, uh, you know, you kind of talked about like, you know, the, the cost of what, what is the game worth and everything. And from the consumer side too, is, is there, is it possible we might be reaching a limit where maybe more customers will say, uh, you know, I was willing to spend $50 for this type of game, but now it's going to be 60 and I like sale, sale, maybe sales will decrease because of that. But then, you know, it's not, not that it's kind of a no win situation because you're either losing money <laughs> or you're losing money in the worst case scenarios. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Will, what do you think about, about any of that? Well, the problem is, it's sort of like 
I, I imagine like a traffic jam where like uh, there was not even an accident. Maybe someone slowed down. It's just sort of like almost like a accordion, like crunching because now like everyone's buying again. But mm-hmm. now we, you know, now that we're all buying, but we can't get on chips. And what's very annoying too, especially for smaller publishers and stuff from I've heard stories not for board games, but I assume it's still affecting board game de- uh, developers and stuff is people like I had like space on a ship. But a bigger company, you know, your Amazons and stuff mm-hmm. came up like, I will pay three times as much. And right. so they can boot you out of line just because you have a spot sometimes isn't guaranteed until the ship actually sets sail, which is another, you know, fun thing to know. Like, oh, it's not like I was able to save my sot for at a reasonable price. You could still get kicked. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As usual, the yes, the giant corporations are will win in the end if they want to. Hopefully you don't run into like an evergreen situation, though, where the, the giant boat gets. Oh, stuck. yeah. Remember, oh. Remember I was thinking like, uh, when, like something's like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not. A, I, not a time I, I'm leak. hoping and I don't think that these will stay around. These um, these prices, the pricing, so, I think they yeah. will drop. Yeah, I, yeah, that's I, gonna I be mean, interesting to see I, if it goes back. Yeah, I, you know, because sometimes you do end up with a thing like, you know, if 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 it's up for long enough and customers just get used to it, they're like, well, even if it gets cheaper, maybe that's just the price now if people are willing to pay it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which might, I mean, that could be more fr- friendly to the to the uh, manufacturers, designers, and distributors, honestly. So, oh, I was thinking about the price to get on the ships and stuff. I wasn't even thinking. Oh, for, like, well, I mean, but that all trickles down, right? I mean, uh, not to use the word trickle down. That could be <laughs> that's got too much baggage. But, um, you know, like the the cost that takes away from that also takes away from whatever profits, you know, there's there, it all it's all kind of uh, tied together. What about um, uh, Kickstarter stuff? Do you think this is how, how have you seen this affecting like crowdfunding in general? <sighs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that, you know, running a Kickstarter, if you're counting you know, the before work of doing like gathering emails and demoing at conventions and all of your like kind of grassroots stuff that you do and getting previews. This is like a, you know, a year, multi-year process just before you even launch <laughs> the campaign. And so yeah. I've seen, you know, some campaigns that had everything done, they did everything right. And now they're at this step of getting the game shipped and it's like, you know, destroying their margins, you know, like of, of what they had budgeted for and how much they put the game up for, you know, like it, they, with this economy, they should have charged $50, but they charged $40 cause it made sense, you know, whatever, six months ago, nine months ago. Um, so it's, I don't know. It's like nothing you could have done other than, you know, overcharge at the time. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's just like in case you there's a safe. global pandemic. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> which you know any any responsible business owner <laughs> overcharges at all times, just in case. You know. Yeah, that's it's really hard. Yeah, like you said, you just oh, I you know there must be. I'm sure there are publishers who had Kickstarter projects that are just they have to eat those costs now, or mm-hmm. or they might just not be able to deliver in some cases, and I'm sure. Of course, the backers will be very understanding and <laughs> forgive them these problems. Yeah. You know, they're uh, yeah, Kickstarter backers are famously understanding. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're not entitled or. Whiny. You know this. This is actually the main reason why Kickstarter put up those new messages saying like, "You oh, may yeah. not get your product. It's right. yeah. solely this." <laughs> Could be a factor. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I, it'll be. I, I hope that uh, you know things do return to normal i mean so to speak to some extent in some areas right now at least in the u.s that's 
kind of happening, uh, but worldwide is a different issue. And it it's just one of those things where because it's like when we're all getting up, like we can all there's plenty of roads for us to drive on, even if the if you live in California, traffic can be terrible sometimes. <laughs> but you know, they're only like we're back to a traffic metaphor. Keep continuing. <laughs> probably count on your hands in some countries how many ports they have that can handle these ships. Yeah. Like, and they're backed up like 10 ships at least or something sometimes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, until we can really clear out those choke points, I, I feel like it's still going to be a big issue. Yeah. yeah. And the shipping kind of, you know, the shipping and even the manufacturing slowed down because of COVID, but like buying really didn't because there's nothing for else, nothing for us to do except just like online <laughs> shop. And, you know, for yeah. the past, so people have still been, you know, buying games and, and, you know, I know that the the fashion industry somewhat took a hit because, you know, nobody mm. was leaving the house. But uh, but yeah, I mean, because, you know, um, things for your house, um, you know, inside entertainment things, TVs, um, all that kind of stuff. I mean, went through the roof. You look at, you know, the same things happening with like the PlayStation um, 5. Um, right. You know, people can't get their hands on those just because, I mean, what else were you going to do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. Uh, this is not just a simple board game thing. There's, I know, like uh, housing appliances. That was another thing. Mm -hmm. This would uh, this moment will be in like econ 101 textbooks. Like <laughs> right. this is yes. gonna be something that's just like taught in every economy major or whatever because it's, it's gonna be such a weird case study. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like almost pure supply and demand. You know, Oof. it's like most times. Most situations are, you know, there's like a bunch of complexity to them. But in this case, it's just like, you know, how much are you willing to pay for this boat? You know, and there's a bidding war. And OK, that has set the price and supply and demand. It really is. It's supply demand. People who have more money, as you said, like the bigger companies. And I think just also the accessibility of the consumer to get things mm -hmm. like the PS5 issue going back to that. One of the reasons that's a problem is because a lot of people are gotten really good at being able to set up programs to buy 50 PS5s at once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, you know, in 10 years or something, we'll be able to look back at this period strictly uh, for board games and if there will be a noticeable... Uh, kind of like a, a a speed a ramping up for the popularity of board games overall or how many board games are published each each year just because uh I think for a lot of publishers sales did increase you know and maybe maybe awareness has been raised for uh, the average consumer in the you know in mm -hmm. the need like the way they did for jigsaw puzzles that <laughs> everybody went crazy for buying those right, and everything right. that it might be kind of a weird little thing where we got this um you know sort of the, the same way that like with movies uh movies being in theaters but also released on and streaming we were kind of headed in that direction like maybe in the next five to ten years but with mm -hmm. the pandemic that sort of just happened really fast yeah i well, mean you know will we see something like that i don't know what that is yet for board games but maybe we'll maybe we'll know what that was <laughs> the pandemic definitely put everything on accelerated i think a lot of things that would have right. happened in 10 years happened in one i think what could happen would be more like more deals with those big companies because they can get their stuff on the ship like um what was it trails i think it was called like the parks spin-off game that's mm -hmm. in target mm -hmm. that just came out like we might see more target exclusive walmart exclusives which is a good thing because that means more people will see them because they're in the mega marts and maybe pick them up there yeah yeah uh well, well we'll find out we'll see if we'll see if things level out or 
what happens. But I guess uh, for the foreseeable future, people might start preparing themselves to see slightly higher prices on games and or longer shipping times and delays. Uh, which you know you have you probably have enough if you're listening to this you've got enough of a backlog <laughs> <laughs> almost definitely yeah you can be patient you know but we'll, we'll get there. i need the, all the six new ones <laughs> yeah i know i know you do. all right um so next next news story so more kind of uh, there's some legal stuff going on with this one but I don't know. Maybe you guys can help me explain it, but I'm going to do my take my best crack at it. Essentially, in the 70s, people might have heard of a game called Dungeons and Dragons and a company called TSR, which was started by Gary Gygax uh, for the publishing thereof of these role playing games. And since then, it went defunct. Wizards of the Coast acquired all this stuff. The label wasn't really used. At one point, the the trademark for TSR lapsed. And a guy named Jason Elliott uh, started a new TSR to like uh, kind of honor uh, this tradition with uh, role playing stuff. And then separately, uh, a, a relative of Gary Gygax, Ernest Gygax Jr., he also got a new company started, also called TSR Games. And because of some issue where basically you know one didn't have the money or time to sue the other i think they actually licensed the trademark out for a while somewhat amicably but there are slash were two companies at the same time both called tsr games both uh publishing role-playing content slash accessories and uh just recently the Gygax version of TSR games got in some trouble on social media, on Twitter, for making some comments uh, that uh, were racist, had some racist uh, implications towards Native Americans, also implied slash stated that they would be fine working with, with uh, designers or creators who maybe were anti-trans uh, not in those exact words, but that was kind of the gist of it. It wasn't too hard to take that away from it. He since uh, had an apology that I think was also deleted, and now he's deleted his Twitter account. And uh, the other TSR Games has said, we will no longer ever work with this TSR Games. <laughs> Again, it's like, it's hard for me to wrap my the head around The two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, a, it's a strange, strange situation. Um, and uh, so that, that's kind of where it's at right now. And I think Gen Con also said that like they wouldn't even they didn't want TS the other TSR games to have a booth or anything or any association with them. I, Eric, how up to speed on you are this? Did, did that make any sense? What do you think uh, about this situation? I mean, this I mean, this sounds like the the beginning of some you know four point for four part HBO docu series <laughs> yes. or something like you know uh, I I don't even know where to begin i mean i think the the part of this that i am more like versed on is the like the tabletop uh like rpg community's uh, response to all this that's going on and sure. you know the discussion around D D and how that's not the only rpg that's out there and there's this whole like you know uh varied ecosystem of rpgs that are much less problematic and you know provide the same level of interaction but um you know people are D has this brand which is also interesting because, you know, 
at one point D and D was like the most nerdy thing that you could do. And now it's like super cool to do it. And so like <laughs> people are reeling with that. So I do, I wasn't even aware of any of this other background uh, of the two companies and um, all that. So not, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to begin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that you did your best. That was a good, I think that was a good kickoff at least. Yeah. I was, I had no idea about any of this stuff. Will, was this something that was on your radar? I picked up a couple of it. It was like, I saw some people more just like the actual responses. Cause usually on Twitter, I never see the original thing. If you were responding to, right. and I didn't know about the two companies. I only knew about the one, but like, I just read the stuff. I'm just like, I already knew I'm like, Oh, this guy's just saying terrible things. I don't think I need to dive into and just make myself feel worse. Uh-huh. <laughs> just, just back away from that situation into the bushes. Uh, but because like, like, it's really funny too. Cause it's, it's like, yes, he's, he has the guy guy's last name, but this isn't even wizards of the coast. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Right. officially D and D. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh man. It's all a whole thing. Um, I feel so bad for this. Uh, was it Elliot? I think is the one who has the other one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you do? I, I mean, I think, I mean, there are other examples, you know, like dove where there's like dove chocolate and dove soap and they just have to like, oh, yeah. you know, share it. It's fine. <laughs> but to have two companies called TSR games, you know, it's not even <laughs> one's called TSR and one's called TSR hobby or, you know, or whatever. Um, I think the original one was called TSR Hobbies, but now mm. it's like TSR Games. Uh, of I don't, oh man, what? <laughs> this yeah, is they, why you have to brand recognition is very important because <laughs> uh, of situations like this. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, like they they both they're both inspired by the same thing. They both stand for the same thing, you know. It, or they both sell the same thing. It looks you yeah. know relatively. <laughs> Yeah, in terms of, you know, the like infringement of, you know, when you get into parody law and stuff like that, this is this is beyond any of that. There's a clear overlap. Uh, And of course, all of this is also in the wake of I feel like in the last couple of years, Wizards has really been responding to in some ways and sometimes it's they do a good job, sometimes not so good a job. Maybe it depends on who you ask of trying to kind of course correct some of the stuff in their books that has been mm-hmm. perceived as racist and or just in general um um uh, ex- exclusionary i guess yeah to, to to different groups um so it's it's an interesting time for i mean it, it is kind of happening in like every industry slash medium uh more like which is which is a good thing but certainly in role-playing games and board games it's been it's been a thing it, we're, we're, we've been, we've seen a fair number of like outings of people saying problematic stuff online in the past year. <laughs> yes. I will say for me, one of the things I find hilarious with D and D in particular compared to like something like Marvel, both like this and Marvel, you know, the, a lot of these things that have lasted many generations. So they carry that problematic baggage because they're from much longer times. Mm-hmm. I love the idea with D and D because technically like when you look at Marvel, like, well, this was a little bad. And now that's a part of maybe Spider-Man's history or whatever. This is like, you make up your own story, <laughs> you know, it's not like the, the, the canon problem that may come up, even if it's not the right. problematic, just like if something doesn't make sense because a new creator or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the plus. You can just make it up whatever you want. Uh, any final thoughts on any of this stuff? 
Eric? Or I, I don't. I would sum just, it up for us. Drive it home. <laughs> yeah, I would just tell people to Google uh, TSR games. I don't know, Gygax, and just start getting to the end into the rabbit hole. Uh, I've already got some. Uh, I made some new tabs here to research after the podcast, and you know, I think. If if board game documentaries were a thing, this is a uh, this is prime uh, documentary oh, yeah. territory. I'm, I'm Someone get Netflix on the phone. Yeah, let's get that miniseries. Well, they did the uh, I didn't watch it, but I I heard mixed things. But they did the one about uh, the guy who cheated at McDonald's Monopoly. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. The, you even have the perfect name. Just call it TSR Games. It's just another. <laughs> it's another thing that would confuse Google when you type in TSR Games. Do you mean this company, this company, or the documentary right. about both companies, <laughs> or the original company? Yes, or the original TSR. Uh, so uh, we'll see if you, if you parse any of that, listeners. And can, can uh, just quickly, I just as you stated before, yeah, yeah, there are plenty of fantastic RPGs. If you do not feel comfortable with this, or D and D, even though that's not connected directly to TSR anymore. Uh, so, by all means, whether it's through Kickstarter, which shouldn't be affected usually with RPGs because they are PDFs, with mm. the shipping problem before. So. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Yeah, play some indie RPGs. And our last news story, you know, chess is a thing that's hot right now because of all the Queen's Gambit. I don't know if that's worn off already. That feels like it happened eight years ago. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we usually talk about the hobbyist games, but there's stuff going on in the world of chess. Uh, a 12-year-old kid named Abhimanyu Mishra, who is from New Jersey, by the way, where uh, Will and I are right now, so represent. Uh, he has become the youngest grandmaster in chess history at 12 years and seven months. Uh, I think that's important because he beat the previous record uh, by not too much more, like just a few months. He was a, a Russian kid. So uh, take that, Russia. Uh, the 12 <laughs> years and seven was the old one. Oh, that was the old one. Excuse me. The new one is four months, four and months, 25, and 25 days. days. Mm, this is very important. <laughs> We're going to be counting the mid soon. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's it's getting very close, but yeah, he uh, won at this at this tournament, uh, and he's he's the youngest grandmaster. I don't know. It's that's I guess once and for all proving that chess is uh, an easy game that babies can play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's not what I took. That's from. my takeaway. <laughs> my when I read this title, this is what I read. Yeah. What were you doing at twelve years old? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, hey, if this, if this is, unless he gets like a book deal, I don't know if this is really doing much for you in your, in your career, but I don't know what chess grandmasters really do. Uh, Eric, do you ever, do you follow chess or any of that um, stuff? Yeah, I played chess a lot as a, as a teen. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I, I, a lot of the games that I like now are not a lot, but I, I like kind of games that have that same feel to them, like, um, like a Shobu or Onitama or something like that. Mm. Um, so uh, it's been a while since I played like actual chess. I've been mostly playing these kind of chess-like games, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I don't love it enough that I have watched Queen's Gambit yet. <laughs> oh, um, I need to go go back and, and, and watch it, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think what I get out of this when I read this is that there's like yet again a 12-year-old who's better at me than a game when as somebody <laughs> who plays video games and like had to stop playing 
Apex and stuff because I was getting <laughs> mad of losing all the time to 12 year olds. Um, you know, this is just a twist in the knife. Like I can't even. <laughs> yeah, this is our hobby to be good at. Yeah, it has nothing to do with reaction time or anything like that. Like I could justify being worse at Call of Duty because my eyes don't work as good as <laughs> yours do science wise but this kid's just smarter than i am he just he just wins fair and square their so. brains are softer they're more malleable look look sure. it's okay we're gonna bring flux to the table and that's how we'll get it <laughs> exactly yeah yeah let's see how well they draw monsters and yeah under two minutes you know I, I just imagine better. it would happen to sit down table and like i have a chance and he's like all right i'm done puts in like it's like a Mona Lisa or something. I'm just like, oh my <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll still stomp us. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, just, it's just kind of cool to, to see that, to see, uh, you know, chess is not exactly, it's adjacent to our hobby. I would say it's sort of, it obviously is a board game, but it, it kind of feels like a different thing. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like a different category, but it's still cool to see like large scale news publications reporting on something from that sphere. In the sports section, no less. <laughs> oh, really? Is the CNN one in the sports section? <laughs> That's weird. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, congratulations to that kid. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, he'll have more great things to come in the future. All right. Now, those are the news stories. We're also going to talk about some more Kickstarter stuff that may or may not be delayed. Uh, it's time for Kickstarter. Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. It's nice. It's nice. This one. Kickstarter. Pickstarter. Yeah, that's right. Each of us has chosen uh, something on Kickstarter or perhaps another crowdfunding site that's of interest to us that we want to talk about this week. Eric, we'll start with you. What is your pick? Oh, man, there's too too many. <laughs> I... You can, if you want to say multiple, you can, but you got to officially just have one pick. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, I'm going to say my, oh, my official pick with all of this responsibility um i think is gonna be uh <laughs> the one that i'm choosing which is going to, to be to <laughs> no uh i <laughs> i think my official pick the one that i think is i find the most interesting in like a meta sort of way is um heroes of barcadia um it's only got like i think as of recording like 48 hours maybe 60 hours or something left on it um but it's essentially like a you know a a dungeon crawler thing but you're playing with like uh cups that have like your hp on the side um and so your hp is literally like how much of uh you know beer soda or whatever juice (laughs) Um, you have left and so you you know you move around the dungeon you've got d20s in there you're collecting like loot and um, little powers and stuff that you can use all the pieces very cleverly are waterproof so if you spill um, it's fine Uh, so yeah I think it's just an interesting kind of intersection between you know party and 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 geek uh, culture um some other ones that I'm I'm looking at. Um, there's a game called Chroma um, that is really cool. It's like this mm. this triangular glowing. Uh, uh, it's like a backlit triangle, and you put um, these little like triangle pieces on it that are different colors, and so you can like overlap. Um, you know, a blue and a yellow to make green, and you're. It's kind of like this. Um, I don't know, like area control at the end like whoever has the most of one color wins, but you create those colors by overlapping the tiles. 
Um, that campaign's a little interesting because they're, I think they're asking like 115k or something. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a that's kind of a big goal. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and then the other one that I'm looking at is um, Epic Spell Wars of the Battle Wizards Annihilage. <laughs> Annihilageddon. Annihilageddon. Um, I haven't played Epic Spell Wars, um, uh, but I love, I just came across this uh, this weekend looking at, you know, Kickstarters and I love the art um, and just how bonkers it is. Um, it's a deck builder, which is like a pretty much an easy, easy sell for me. I love deck builders. Um and uh so combine that with some good art and you know easy peasy but the one if i'm gonna back one is probably gonna be barcadia here in the next you know 48 hours or so um but the other ones are look pretty interesting if you've seen those yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah the barcadia one I've, i remember looking at uh partially because they're the company they're making is roll a crit <laughs> so uh, we, we need to have a conversation with them, Jonathan. I mean, not a bad one. No, this is a night. Like we need to do like a, a team up. I mean, since since you brought it up, I'm just going to say, I don't know if you remember this, Will, <laughs> but uh, like five years ago or something, you know, uh, we are not board game designers, but everyone who's likes board games, I feel like they've you've tooled around with like an idea of I'll make my own game. It'll be like this. Uh, but I definitely came up with this idea <laughs> and <laughs> there was definitely a time when i think maybe maybe us and like another friend were involved in like yeah you would take drinks and you would like it would be a party adventure game like just like this only i'm sure they're doing a better job there's a reason i stopped trying to make it because i couldn't figure out how to make it fun but uh just just saying i think maybe they went back in time and stole our intellectual property <laughs> <laughs> and the name of the podcast yeah for the company. <laughs> oh my god it's alternate versions of us <laughs> it's really it's just not fair but but yeah we saw chroma too and i haven't played any of the epic spell wars but there's like four of them so people must like them i've played the previous deck builder mm. um and i i'll say this right now by the way very humorous sort of uh you know but not uh not kid friendly. No, <laughs> Some of those cards. No. So. <laughs> Just a heads up for any parents listening right now. <laughs> Good to point out. All right, so uh, check those out. We'll have links to those in the show notes. Good solid picks. Will, what's your pick? My pick is not on Kickstarter. Oh, I've chosen one that should be launching this by or maybe a little bit after this podcast comes out. Same day, yeah. you know, so give and take times, and that's on GameFound. And it's platformer. The idea behind this is you are all racing to get to the top of this tree, I guess, and take out the boss there. Now, they're randomly shuffled tiles and they'll have like platforms like you're like, you know, any platforming game. But this is a competitive. So the idea is you're going to roll dice to move and then you can manipulate monsters to attack your opponents or you can even just jump on there and push them off. Well, they're going to fall down and maybe hit some obstacles and take some damage. There's also coins along the way that you can get to buy more upgrades. It looks like a very silly, weird race idea. And I love the platforming aspect. And I feel like if you've ever played any, I mean, you're Mario, you're Braid, but you want to do it with other people and just maybe uh, be a little mean. This is one to take a look at. Yeah, this was um, probably going to be my pick. You stole it from me. <laughs> uh, that's okay from a from awakened realms light mm-hmm. and yeah i think it's really interesting because it's it's cool the way they they take you know a vertical space you're you're moving up vertically but of course it's on a table so you simulate that with tiles moving forward 
And there's something cool about that. It, it's kind of like, if you remember that game, a Battle at Kemble's Cascade, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of did a similar thing where it was like an arcade space shooter. Um, so, but you know, you were just moving up. I think it's fun to play around with, uh, the, like the X, Y axis like that in a board mm-hmm. game space. Uh, it, it's pretty neat. I, I don't know. It, it's interesting cause it looks very, you know, it's a wake and realms light. So it looks pretty friendly and accessible and, uh, straightforward, but it's a neat, it's a neat concept. Yeah. It's uh, got the, the, the tiles and stuff ha- having just played, um, uh, Hollow Knight. It's given me some some mm. Hollow Knight vibes of uh, these you know lush environments and uh, you know these these colorful um, uh, heroes and villains and that kind of stuff. So yeah, as a, a big um, you know, I like platformers in general, but um, like Metroidvanias especially. So um, yeah, this looks yeah, cool. I, I could see that. Yeah, it has the similar kind of vibe to to the artwork. We need a Metroidvania board game. Is that Ooh. a thing? Really. Isn't that just a dungeon crawler? <laughs> well, if you're not like you, you need the backtracking, you need the yeah, exploration. And the, yeah, uh, you could do like a Metroidvania deck builder. Like if you you know you have to unlock kind of like you know the, essentially what that is. You know you're you're trying to progress, and then you unlock the ability to go through the red doors now, and so that would be like a reshuffle. Mm. And now I can buy these types of cards. Mm. And now I could buy. All right, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start designing this. I'll talk to y'all later. Uh, Please, you've you've cracked it. That sounds great. I will look forward to that release. Um, I will just mention a couple of games. Uh, uh, Platformer really is the one that I think is the most interesting. That's kind of new. There's another one called Potion Panic, which is another kind of. relatively light straightforward game you have a bunch of different cards with different colored potions on them and they're going to be different recipes so it might be like red blue yellow and you have to get those color potions in a a row Uh, you can hold three of them they'll be face down in front of you on your board and once you reveal them you say okay i claim that recipe before anyone else can it's a little bit like kind of got a splendor thing where you can reserve one of the recipes if you want to make sure no one else can do it Mm -hmm. but also the potions have abilities so if you don't want to use it for its color you can flip it over and it will let you maybe draw more cards or mess with your opponents. Got some take that in there. So, you know, you could swap potions around or make someone discard one of their potions. And you're just trying to uh, make as many recipes as you can, get the most points based on what you've done. Uh, it, it looks simple and cute. It has a lot of good, like, positive uh, reviews and things on the page. Uh, I don't know. It, it might be for some people maybe too simple and I'm not really sure how, uh, I think there's a lot of different colors. So I think even though each recipe is only three potions that there will be more variation, uh, than you might imagine and, and with all the different abilities and things, but that uh, seems like a cute kind of lighthearted thing. Maybe, maybe after you finish playing, uh, Arcadia, you're a little tipsy. You can, break this <laughs> uh, and then i also just wanted to mention because i thought it was interesting this new um hyperborea the third edition of the of the rpg formerly known as um astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of hyperborea mm. hyperborea hyperborea i don't know how you're supposed to say hyperburrito uh which is uh an rpg uh, kind of you know based a lot they they cite things like um um uh, Robert E. Howard, you know, Edgar Rice Burroughs, those kinds of like old school fantasy sort of stories. 
And um, I just thought it was interesting because this is the third edition, but it's almost closer to a third printing. Like the revisions are not as extreme as you might think from like D&D uh, between D and D editions, they, there's, they've simplified, streamlined, added more classes, um, changed, you know, new monsters and stuff like that. And I, I don't have experience with this RPG, but it looks like a cool kind of old school throwback art style. And I thought it was an interesting way to approach a new RPG edition. It seems like they're just kind of like, well, we needed another printing, so we might as well change some stuff as opposed <laughs> to like, it's been five years. So now it's time for our big overhaul. Um, so yeah, I don't know any hyperborea people out there. Check that out. I think they made the right choice. I think that's a, it's a better, it's a catchier name. Uh, so those are our Kickstarter picks. You'll find links to them in the show notes. If you want to check them out, but now we can talk about games. We've actually been playing for real in what's it called? Table talk. I don't know if I table talk. Table talk. Table talk. Okay. <laughs> a lot of fun, that sound clip. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about some of the games we've been playing. I'm excited to start with you, Eric, because I see some things here that I don't have a lot of familiarity with. So I'm excited to learn about them. What have you been playing? Excellent. I have, I'll have much less uh, anguish uh, here because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got to play a ton. So I have less to choose from instead of, you know, all of Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> so I did just recently this weekend, um, I got to do some in-person gaming for the first time, you know, and forever right. and ever and ever. Um, and so everybody was, you know, uh, th- two or three other gamers and so we all you know basically arrived with a giant duffel bag full of all the stuff we bought because <laughs> uh, we didn't stop buying games like i said earlier um but one of the ones that we um got to play uh, was shobu um which is kind of i mentioned earlier as a as a chess um-esque type of uh, game um if you haven't seen this it's just a beautiful product like it's a great thing that to like leave out um as a kind of a centerpiece the same way that i would leave out a chess set and it's just a cool thing to have in a uh, in a fancy library or something like that mm-hmm. um but yeah there's there's four um individual little boards that are separated um by like a um a length of rope and then all the pieces are stone so there's eight i think 16 black ones and 16 white ones um uh basically eight 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 i don't know something around there um mm-hmm. but basically you're on one side of the board um you're making a move and then you're able to make the same move on boards of a different color um and you're trying to knock each other off the board the first person to knock their opponent's pieces all off of one of the four boards wins. Um, So it's, you know, you're thinking about all four boards at one time. You're, you know, doing some moves in advance. um, And, but also thinking spatially like, okay, well, I need to be able to push him to the left next time, which means that on this board, I need to leave myself open to move to the left. And um, I really, really enjoyed it. It was my first time playing it. We played it um, like three games in a row and, um, I won my first two, so I don't know if I like it so much because I, <laughs> uh, I won or if it's actually great, but, um, you know, it, it definitely got, a uh, an insta buy from me. Um, so it's, a, you know, like I said, beautiful just to look at, but it's also really fun. Um, kind of thinky head to head, um, 
one v one chess like experience. Yeah, I'm looking at a, a picture of it. It, lo- it really does look awesome. Uh, it looks very classical, uh, kind of very much like Go or something. But... Yeah, it has that like Mancala, um, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like a, a chessboard. Like it seems like it is hundreds of years old, but right. um, I think it's like two years old, maybe a year old, and it's just it's great. Yeah, is it so? It's kind of like it sounds like. Uh, you know, if, as if you were when people will play like four different chess games at once and you're going between boards, sort of have that kind of vibe to it. Like, is it a is it kind of is it very thinky because you're having to keep track of all these things at once? Yeah, I mean, it has it has that aspect. Um, uh, it's it's kind of like playing the the four games at once, but the other like one of the four boards is where you're making a a move but it is so that you're able to actually affect something on one of the other three boards kind of um it's it's kind of hard to explain with only audio (laughs) um (laughs) but you're you know it's it's not only are you thinking moves ahead but you're thinking okay well like if i move here on this board i'm actually able to move over there and you know um it's you know i guess the closest thing i can i can um, compare it to is Onitama if you've played that where like I need to draft this card so that I can move this piece but really I only want to draft it so that I can draft this card next time <laughs> um, yeah, yeah I don't know it's it's um, I haven't you know I've only got two or three plays of it under my belt so I don't know you know the the if it is as deep as something like you know chess but um, you know it, it we sunk into that very quiet you know, um, hands folded, your, your chin rested on your interlocked fingers, <laughs> staring <laughs> at the board, um, you know, with furrowed eyebrows, we settled into that, that very quickly, um, as we were kind of going head to head and, um, yeah, just a re- just a really great game. If you, if you even, you know, slightly like that, that chess type of experience. I'm sold. That sounds cool. Shobu. Shobu. S H O B U. And is there is there an accent mark in there too? Oh, is there? Um, <laughs> I just I imagine it'd be the so. kind of game I'd just be staring at the board for five minutes because it's like I want to make this board on I want to make this move on board A, for example, but that's bad for board B. Yes. But what I want to do on board B is terrible to do on board A. Yeah. And you have essentially four sets of like health almost, or like because you lose. The only way you lose is all four of your pieces being knocked off of one of those boards. So you can even use one to like sacrifice some pieces in order to have a better position on one of the other ones. It's it's so cool. Cool. <laughs> it's so you just when you only have one left, you're just hopping that one stone frantically around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the thing. It's a balancing act. Um, the last game that we played one of the boards ended up in a, like a one-to-one standoff um, where we each, there was one black piece and one white piece on that board. And it kind of locked us both into working off of the other board. Um, and it came down to this like dance of death of who is gonna, <laughs> who's gonna like <laughs> blink first and move that piece. And, you know, hopefully you can put it in a position to, to, you know, not lose it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I'm not sure if there's like, it's a I, if there's like top down um, playthroughs, like may, if you look on YouTube or maybe people have Twitch streamed it or something like that. But if you it's if you watch it, you know, top down, you'll be like, oh, I got it. It's just, you know, kind of hard to explain um, how it works. 
hmm, verbally yeah. without the, the thing. So I would YouTube it or um, something. I'm sure um, there's something out there. Well, you definitely conveyed the the vibe of it very yeah. well. <laughs> Luckily, of course, everyone who's listening in the special fifth dimension can has a visual of this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, audio the best format for all purposes. All <laughs> uh, what else have you been playing? Um, so another one that I I played recently is this game called Second Thoughts. Um, that is kind of, I haven't really heard anybody mention it or talk about it, but um it's a, a pretty fun little party game um i grabbed it from target i think the last time they had one of these like big mega sales that they do um and it's it's a word game um where you roll these these dice and some letters come up on the dice and you it's it's like a team versus team game and so Everybody, um, both the teams share this pool of letters and you have to come up with as many words as you can that kind of satisfy these letters. You know, maybe we have to have a word where the second letter is P. We have to have a word where the third letter is V. We have to have a word where the first letter is A or something. Um, And so we come up with as many of these words as we can. But the catch is that whatever words we come up with, the other team has to play um like taboo with um so we switch boards and the other team has to like one person has to get their partner to guess the word that we wrote down on the board so you're trying to come up with not only come up with words but come up with words that would be hard to guess with taboo uh Mm. rules um or you know um what's the, the other like famous guess a word kind of thing where you're like oh it's this and um not not uh charades but um um oh gosh uh, the other classic one well i can think there's of a lot of modern ones I'm yeah the categories when you have trying categories? to categories yeah, yeah yeah so that for the first round is kind of categories ish and mm. then the second round is more taboo but the other kind of twist on top of that is that there's a sand timer um that is like uh governing all of this but it's shared between the two rounds so the longer you take to come up with your words the more time the other team has to do taboo Ah. so it's pretty neat there's like you know uh, a um more kind of stuff going on behind the scenes than it looks like on you know on paper when you look at the box this is very like brightly colored you know light game looking box but we very quickly settled into like it came it became vicious very quickly like the first (laughs) the first round we were like you know dinosaur you know um crochet or whatever and then like once we realized the the metagame of it the the next round was like cryotherapy industrialization (laughs) like like, (laughs) because you know the 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 um taboo part is is very difficult when you're thinking of like really esoteric um hyper specific words uh so yeah it was pretty fun i mean i think you really have to have a strong vocabulary um to to play that meta um not only to come up with words that use those letters but also think about the additional layer of what is hard to describe you know um with with charades or taboo rules so yeah that second thoughts i'm not sure who made it here good game the good game company made it it's a um, good good well, name. 
Yeah. It does sound good. And I, I just love, I mean, any of these kinds of word games that definitely like what you said happens, you know, the first round, everyone's like, oh, okay, let's get into it. And then once you get a few, when you learn how the game works and stuff, you're going to have the weirdest clues going on and stuff because everyone's <laughs> like, and I just love the idea of the sand timer actually rewards and punishes. Yeah. Like yeah. that's really clever. And, and you're, it's team based. And so you're like, we we even split up like to opposite sides of the room during the writing thing because you're like basically whispering like oh write this for this word write this for this letter write this for the and you have these like little micro arguments like no that's too simple like you know <laughs> um, but you're trying to do it as quickly as possible because you're trying to write these words as, so that the other team only has a small amount of time to to guess them. This so. reminds me, Jonathan, when we did the like just one but not just one online. Oh yes, the <laughs> instead of like version of just one, it wasn't like the party. usual words of like bird or desert. <laughs> we oh, had yeah. things like taxes and like <laughs> curiosity, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this sounds this sounds like this is catnip to me. I love <laughs> I love this. I love guessing games and I love vocabulary. <laughs> so I yes. mean, this is like. I'm definitely putting this on my list. I've got to try this game. Second thoughts. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I don't know. Um, you know, it might have come out during the pandemic, um, you know, so not an ideal time for like party game kind of thing. So I haven't heard any real like buzz uh, behind it. But um, yeah, it's definitely something that's on my list of things to like, oh, have you played this? Have you played this? And 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 bring out it at, uh, at parties. So. Yeah, yeah. It looks uh, like I see it's it's a Target. Um, looks like I guess it's on Amazon too. So yeah, it looks like it's in most places. Just when I did a Google search, because I'm I'm gonna buy this game. Sounds great. Ooh, All right, you <laughs> you're welcome. The good game company. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've got to sell that. That's we have that problem a lot with this podcast. Is uh, we forgot to put the warning at the beginning that you may, you may want may to cause games. empty wallet syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. What else you got? And then the last one. Um, you know, this is it was just my first experience actually getting to play it, but someone brought a crokinole board. Um, and if you haven't um, played crokinole or you don't know what that is, I would um, uh, check out the shut up and sit down uh, video on it. Cause that was my first, I had never heard of it before the shut up and sit down uh, video about it. Um, and then I immediately like, <laughs> went into the rabbit hole of, okay, can I get one of these boards at Etsy or should I order, um, you know, should I order it from this company or this company? And then I was like, Oh, you know, where am I going to, I have to convince my partner that we need to, <laughs> you know, to get this and <laughs> find people to play with. And, but it's a, um, uh, man, how do you, even, how do you explain this? It's like circular shuffleboard mixed with pool like there's a it's a circular board with like concentric circles kind of looks like a like a bullseye and in the exact center is like a notch like a circular notch that is just big enough for your pieces to go into and so you're flicking from the outside these little wooden pieces so that hopefully they slide into this little central hole but there's like little pegs that your piece can bounce off of and you can like bounce off of opponent's pieces. Um, it's like that slick wood, uh, you know, that is, you know, from like shuffleboard or, or something like that. Um, it's something that you can definitely deluxify, you know, like the boards are, you know, a, a very healthy market on Etsy or there's whole companies that just sell crokinole boards. Um, it's like an international hit. I think it's really big in Canada. Um, 
Uh, so it's kind of like how cornhole boards are in like the, the, the South where there's like whole companies that make cornhole boards. You can get custom ones and all that kind of stuff. Um, this is the the kind of tabletop version of that. And um, it was the first time I played it. So I just got, you know, destroyed, but basically everybody went to sleep and I just stayed downstairs for an extra like 10 minutes <laughs> practicing flicking and, sure, and getting sure. a better feel for it. So um, yeah, that's Crokinole. It's uh, C-R-O-K-I-N-O-L-E, I believe. That's a good um, word for the uh, sing. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, well, that's going to that's saved <laughs> in my memory. Yeah, I love I love that you talk about that because last week I talked about a tabletop version of shuffleboard. Uh, and uh, there is something fun about those kind of like old school sort of dexterity i assume this is like an old i've heard the name before it's like been around for a while i think yeah i think uh, it has blown up um i know that uh mayday i think has done a couple of kickstarters uh for crokinole boards um so um you know it's healthy enough that whole kickstarter campaigns are going around it and whole companies so i don't know but um I think at a couple of conventions, they, you know, you might have seen it, but like I said, I think the shut up and sit down video was sometime early um, around somewhere in 2020, they posted it and I'd never heard of it before then. And um, since then there's been, you know, a couple Kickstarter campaigns for, for boards and, you know, um, uh, stores that, that sell them. So. Yeah. Crokinole check, check, check it out. Yeah, I, I am really not surprised that this is a uh, popular in Canada because it to me, it's just tabletop curling. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't there? Well, there's the, you know, on, Nintendo has the Clubhouse Games series, which is like a collection of digital video game board games. Isn't there? There's one that's kind of like this. I, I forget the name. But that one's different because it's you're actually like knocking each other's pieces. Yeah, around. that's definitely much more poolish because there's the one red yeah. piece. It's like a thing called capturing the queen. You want to get them in the holes in the corners. Yeah, mm. I don't remember what that's called, though, <laughs> but it sounds yeah similar kind of genre. All right. And just cool. to uh, but because the experience that I had on this board was good. I cannot compare it to any other board. So, uh, but I do oh, like yeah. to promote, um, you know, the products that gave me a good time. The one that we played was from Tracy, T-R-A-C-E-Y, Tracy Tour um, Championship Crokinole Boards. Um, it was it was a beautiful board. Everything slid correctly. So um, that's the only one that I can slightly recommend based on my one play. <laughs> Are well, there great variations between the boards or is it just like quality of it? Um, you know, it's uh, quality. It's something that, you know, it needs to be, it's like, you know, it's like a pool table. Like it has to be level. It has mm. to be smooth. It has to be, um, you know, there's like a, a slide to it. You can get like sand, like little jars of sand to put on the board. Um, there's, um, like a gutter, a circular gutter around. So you can get that deluxified with like nicer felt and stuff. And, um, so I think it's probably one of those things where if you, you get one, you can start with one that's like, you know, I don't know, $100, $150 just to see if you like it. But you could very quickly like level up to something that's 500 or, you know, hmm. several hundred dollars. Um, that is. I mean, you know, like most of the games we talk about, if we say like, oh, I played Arkham Horror. You're like, yeah, that that's Fantasy Flight. You don't have to question <laughs> different versions or something. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. I looked it up. The game that I was thinking of is Karam. 
C-A-R-R-O-M. I think it's Indian, if I recall correctly, but uh, in origin. But so, yeah, there you go. Let's let's, let's bring that back. Let's do more of these kind of tabletop wooden (laughs) dexterity games. I like them. So Uh, what about y'all? What have y'all been playing? Great. Well, uh, I'll start off because we actually had our game nights together. So we we played all these together. That so, is true. John, the first one we're going to start with Mandela Stones, which actually uh, our family could play games when they appeared on this podcast, talked about. So oh, yeah. this is a, uh, a nice returning back. <laughs> uh, the idea behind this game is you are moving around. Artists is what they're called in the game. <laughs> we're um, not really sure if there's actually what the actual thematic story is. Cylinders. Yes. <laughs> and you need when you move them to a spot you capture every stone around you that matches the pattern on the cylinder as well as is not touching another cylinder and then you take those stones and you put them on your board in one of five spots that have to be empty and if those spots are full or if you want to you actually score them based on color or there's like a suboptimal version which you can get to a little we can get to a little later but your goal is to try to like get one of them scores only from different size stacks. One does best if the stack is only one tall. One does better if it's a four tall. So it becomes this really weird pattern matching game of trying to like, I want to get three blue stones or a blue stone on top because then I can score these three piles because I only score blue. And then you also have secret goals too of like ending up with only blue stones or only one stone left. It, it was very interesting. We did both a two and a four player game. And I remember the two player one, we're like, wow, we're just slowly getting our stuff. But then when we did four player, we're just like, no one's scoring. And as soon as people start scoring, it's just, we're just going to see the game end really fast. Yeah. The, the, there's a, there's a separate board that as you, whenever you score your stones, you remove the top of each stack and place it onto that board. And once that board kind of fills up, that's when the game ends. So yeah, if, if nobody's, if everyone's just building up, all of, like all of a sudden you're halfway done with the game when you, when you look over there, which is kind of kind of suspenseful. And yeah, and like on the on the main board where you're moving these artist cylinders, uh, yeah, there's like all these different colored stacks of uh, stones slash tokens pieces that are um, randomly laid out with one of just there's only two different patterns. You don't have to come, think too hard, but there's a lot of different. There's four different colors, right? Four, I believe four. Yes, and um, yeah, it's an interesting puzzle. It almost starts to feel kind of like a, like a not quite Tetris. What's a better like Doctor Mario maybe or like mm. Puyo Puyo, where you're tr- you want to like set up the colors not only for the first scoring combo, but so that once you do that one combo, it also is underneath you're going to also have like you want to have more the same color on the top of each stack, ideally always pretty much. Mm. So if if you were able to somehow get like. Uh, like a yellow blue red combo like in every area that would be really good for the most part uh, except for the ones where it's like oh you want to have different sizes so that's kind of what negates that but it was it was it was fun it was interesting interesting kind of abstract game i think it could probably it sounds like it f- fits kind of in the same genre as shobu or games like that not maybe not a little less uh a little less intellectual but but not too much less i think it's still you have to think and plan but it's a little more like family aimed, I would say a small thing I like about it. It's it's really stupid thing, but uh, <laughs> the game ends when you score tiles. You put them on this track that pretty much once enough uh, stones are put on there, the game ends. 
in terms of tracking your own scoreboard, everyone has their own board and that's where you keep track of it. And I'm like, I, I don't have to worry. You maybe you're ahead of me, but this is my little score track. This is where I am. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to look at the other person's piece uh, making you feel inferior. <laughs> uh, we also had a, so like you said, we have secret goals and you get two of them. And at the end of the game, you pick which one you want to actually try to score. And I missed that rule in our when we first played it. And so we were having a lot of issues because some of them are incompatible with each other. It's like you might have a one that goal that is have only one stone left at the end of the game and another one that's have only two stones left at the end of the game. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is just not fair because you could get two that are impossible. Oh. And of course, I just missed a rule. You're supposed to pick one, which which also makes it more interesting. Uh, but that's Mandala Stone. Now, then we played a couple of games that we did just talk about last week, but maybe, you know, some different types of experiences with them. Yeah, so first off, Vampire the Masquerade Rivals returned, mostly because we while we played head-to-head, -head, this time we got to do the full-on four-people clashing, which I mm -hmm. do think a lot of the game shines because it's there's a bunch of, like, voting mechanics and stuff. Uh, big, We did play with different decks, uh, Jonathan tried out the one that really wanted to do. Was it schemes or conspiracies? I always yeah. He loved conspiracies. Conspiracies, yes, is, yeah. Type of card where you like secretly can uh, single out someone in the group and <laughs> do bad things to them. Uh, I had the aggro one, pretty much. Right. I, I just wanted to beat up everyone. <laughs> yeah, this is and this is the you know uh, expandable card game. It's like a bat battling game where you're all different vampire clans and families, and uh, you're attacking each other with your vampires uh building trying to complete your various agendas and yeah we said i think this is definitely a game that i think at two players it, it works really well but there's definitely certain cards that feel like at least for us for the way we like to play things if you want that real political social aspect of it four players is the is the best well, it's even especially your deck it's just funny <laughs> you know, and you're like, eh, I'm just going to show you this card. And, you know, like I look at him like, OK, yeah, I'm donating. Yeah, that. yeah the way the way conspiracies work is I when you play one, it's you can choose who you want to show it to. Uh, and at any time you can show that person the card and they're allowed to put some of their life points into it. And if somebody doesn't put life points into it, then then they're you know, then they can be punished for it. Uh, but you might just not even show it to them. So you could just you can just create all kinds of head games and make people mad just by showing one person a card and just the two of you sharing a secret that no one else has. It's a really funny mechanic that, that it adds a lot to what could be, you know, just otherwise a fairly generic multi card battle, battle game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, where it's just like I have this many attack points. You take this much damage, which works well in the game too. But I think it's the it's the political stuff that makes it fun, more interesting. Yeah, the one thing I would love to see them do. There's another kind of car which pretty much is like, should we do this? Usually, it's just a good thing, and you vote yes or no with influence and also prestige points if you want. And the no is simply just canceling it. I really want like a choice. More. Yeah, I want like, should we do this? I think that could add for make things a bit more interesting instead of just like, I don't want you to have this. It's more like, well, that one gives an extra turn to you, but maybe this gives resources or something. You know, I think they could uh, really expand on and add for a lot more great, especially deal making be like, look, I know this one's maybe a better choice for you, but now I won't attack you next turn if you vote for that. Instead of just being like, because half of them are like, should I get three money? 
And, you'll, mm-hmm. and you know, most people would be like, no. And you just vote. You wait. To well, play usually that it's everybody will get something good. That's no, actually most of them, or at least the one deck I saw, but a lot of them are just, should I get money? Should I do this? Oh, really? I thought, I thought most of the ones I saw were everybody would get something. that people played because that, <laughs> that actually will go through. <laughs> yeah. Well, why would, why would you want to just let one person get something? <laughs> the only reason you do it is because you, exhausted everyone else i think like you have to have uh, like, like nobody influence. else has the power to fight it you're saying mm-hmm. yeah that's that's fair i guess um yeah it's uh it's 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 a cool game eric do you have any have you ever done any vampire the masquerade stuff in like i have not gotten a chance no i haven't gotten a chance to play um those i know they're very popular and um i'm i'm always into you know uh, ways that people um you know use cards and and different uh social interactions and and those sorts of things so it sounds sounds neat um definitely on my um my convention list that's really the the time i'll get a chance to play something like that my my uh local group uh is is it probably going to be um uh it's gonna be a hard sell (laughs) it's on my convention list yeah you got to be willing to be a little a little cutthroat you can't you can't play it nice in that game. You're <laughs> you're going after each other. Um, uh, then we also we played another one that we also talked about before. Uh, another round of Destinies, which is this narrative, competitive narrative game from Lucky Duck that uses an app where you're moving around a board and just investigating different tiles, different landmarks, trying to complete your own secret destiny. Usually, you're talking to people, you're rolling dice to make skill checks and trying to complete goals, and um, but of course, because it's competitive, only one person gets to one person, whoever completes their objective first, it's basically a race, is going to get the privilege of uh, seeing their story kind of take over and they get to be the hero while everyone else just kind of wanders off and <laughs> feels bad. And last week we talked about how I brought up the kind of the possible danger of uh, that kind of a, a thing where I, I don't know if it might feel worse as a player who didn't get to complete their story uh, then in other competitive games where it's not as narrative focused. And I think this time, will you experience that firsthand? Yeah, I lost this one as well, but in our first experience, we were both in the destiny step, right? So the other year, when you, once you get to your final goal, like it can take multiple turns. So that's, it's, you know, everyone else kind of has a chance to try to catch up at least. And yeah, we were both like going back and forth, like, I'm going to try it. No, I'm going to try. It was very, very neck and neck. And that didn't happen this time. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even like my goal. I, what I need to, well, you should sort of, maybe not say it directly. Cause there's, I know I'm trying yeah. to, don't worry. I'm <laughs> what I needed to do to even like, like uh, there's like, usually you have to do something then something else in order to do destiny. I like step A, step B, then step C is the destiny. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I didn't hit step B right. before Jonathan finished it. Uh, and like the worst thing is Jonathan wasn't even like being trying to be mean. <laughs> yeah, like, that's the thing. It's not like in this game you can't. I mean, if you you, you could, could vaguely, but you might take an item that somebody else wanted. But you're not like attacking each other. You're, you're, there's no yeah, way to really. I, I actually asked her while we were playing, like, can I attack you? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it is kind of weird. I mean, so you can play this as a solo game too, or up to three players. And um, it's an interesting thing, the competitive storytelling. Yeah, it's a... I want to actually point out on that. Yeah. Uh, so, first off, up to three, each player has two goals, and those goals are shared with 
one of those goals are shared with the other people. So there's always three possible goals in a scenario. But so if you're playing with all three people, or at least it's similar, similar, like they have, yeah, they have overlapping similar, things they, they want to do. Find, kill, discover. <laughs> um, but and the, the and solo version, I tried that out. Oh, really? Yeah, and it's it's like playing a video game. Well, there's two modes, aren't? Or right? I did not do the challenging one. There's one. I, there's one where it's on a timer. Yes. So that's, and then there's one where it's just like do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wanted to do whatever because I'm like, I want to win one. <laughs> <laughs> but just to see what that's like it, it the solo mode was still really fun yeah. because like, i still like have fun like when we play that tutorial as long as i hit the destiny i think i've had the experience and fun where like i know where my story's heading but when i didn't even know like what was going to happen in my destiny with my character that's where it's i think it was just bad luck like i got yeah. some very bad rolls like three times in a row and even though it wasn't one of your goals, you unintentionally did my other goals. I couldn't even pivot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the three player would be more balanced because then there's no way for, it's more likely everyone has an equal, like it, it, with two players, like one person can go to one side of the map, the other person to the other, and you're, you might not be competing at all. Whereas with three players, it's more likely someone might even just accidentally do a thing you wanted to do. So that maybe the situation wouldn't happen where I was like, just, happened to be finding all the good stuff <laughs> that we wanted <laughs> i don't know but anyway so that's destinies and very if you you know if you like story games and app games something to, to look at you gotta like apps for sure uh and then we also we finally played this game that i was very excited about called bristol 1350 uh which is from facade games and they've done i think this is their fourth one in this series where they're all different social deduction games and they all come packaged in what looks like a book uh, with like a nice magnetic case and they're all kind of similar. They all, most of them will play like between five and 10 players ish. And they're all in the social deduction, hidden role vein of game, but they have very different themes and interesting, different mechanics and cool designs to their pieces. And this one uh, hits a little close to home because it's about uh, having the black plague. And uh, you are trying to escape on these carts and each turn, dice are going to be rolled, and depending on which colors come up, it's a little bit like Camel Up, uh, that will determine which cards move forward and how much. And you also have little pawns, and you're all characters in these cards. You also have cards in hand with numbers on them, and if those numbers ever add up to six, you have the plague. And if you're, if you're healthy, your, your goal is to get out of the town with a card that has only healthy people on it, and you win. If you get the plague, then you want to stop that from happening and you want to try to infect other people. Uh, and that happens by sometimes um, you might be mingling with people in your cart. So you'll actually uh, swap cards around with each other and draw new ones in that instance. And um, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, you might form alliances. In fact, you probably want to, if you, you want to win because you sort of have unofficial teams with whichever cart you're in. There can be three people in a cart at a time. Uh, but you can also move around very easily. Like on your turn, you can push someone off your cart if you don't like them there. If you think they're infected, for instance. Or you can just jump ahead to a different cart and say, I'm part of this team now. <laughs> um, and we played with j four players. Uh, it goes up to nine. And usually, you know, with games like this, you'd think the more the better. 
but four players I think work pretty well. I would definitely love to see like five or six. I think that might be the a sweet spot. Eight or nine might be a little crazy, but I would, would try it. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a. Uh, this might be of the four they've released so far. It's, it might be my favorite one, uh, or at least it's pretty close to the top of the pack. What, what did you think of it, Will? I need to re-see the other ones again, but yeah. I did really like this one. It's a very interesting take. Usually when there's a game where you become a traitor, quote-unquote, it, uh, it sometimes it feels bad because it feels like everything you're trying to do uh, before was actually now hurting you. This You're mm. still doing the same thing. You just don't want to get caught. <laughs> right. Yeah, you, you want to get out one way or another. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting little game and, and doesn't take super long. It's also not very, um, like, for a game with, quote-unquote, hidden traitors, I think it's but, less about you don't have to be as, like, aggressive, lying, and backstabbing. It doesn't, I don't, I think it feels like maybe there's less pressure slash mm-hmm. stress than in something like, the resistance or werewolf yeah the only pressure here is if someone's trying to be infected like themselves. But that's <laughs> yeah, all another. they might like possibly could do uh, uh, speaking of it, just a fun note talk about the uh the cheater rule in the book oh yeah there's a whole section of the book where if you're know, like if you have if you think there's people in your group cheating uh with this variant you they have to write down or take a picture of their cards throughout every stage of the game and if, <laughs> if they're caught cheating they're banned from playing the game for life <laughs> but they can repeal. Oh, right. There's a like one day a year. The second games. Thursday in October, I believe. <laughs> They'll hold a, a <laughs> tribunal or something. Uh, which is a fun thing. Eric, are you a fan of uh, like hidden role social deduction games at all? Well, okay. So complicated. Um, <laughs> no, but uh, only because I'm, I'm not good at them. Um, um, I I just smile too easily. Um, I'm, I'm uh, someone in my boat. <laughs> yeah, and then also I ha- it stresses me out. Like tr- for me, the um, the hurdle to get over is if I'm being taught it by you know three. Like I haven't played um, uh, Battlestar Galactica or something like that because it's always like you know twelve people who know what they're doing and me. <sighs> And so I always yeah. I'm so worried I'm going to ruin it for everyone else in the room by, you know, <laughs> accidentally saying, oh, well, what does this card that says traitor mean? Or, you know, <laughs> something like that. Um, oh, I didn't know I was the only person with that power. OK, well, I guess you know what role I am now um, or whatever. So, yeah, I, it's just it's stressful for me to learn them because I just feel like I'm I it's one of the only types of experiences where I feel like. I might ruin it for everybody, you know, if I'm not a good enough liar or if I'm, it's kind of similar to like people who have anxiety about playing RPGs because they feel like they're not creative enough, you know, like they feel like they're not going to be able to come up with cool things for their character to say or cool actions. Um, you know, if, if I'm not like a great liar and making it super tense for everybody, I feel like I'm, you know, uh, making it a, a less of, a, of an experience for everybody. But this seems much more lighter, you know, like not that intense, like something like um, Battlestar. This looks closer to something like Coup or Resistance, where there's like a little bit of, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. oh, are you going to take this card or not? Um, or something <laughs> even like Get Bit um, has that vibe to it of just trying you don't, you don't want to be the last, you know, <laughs> um, kind of thing. Right. Um, in general, this company though, um, facade games is really cool. Um, and they, um, 
they do every time one of these games come out, they do like um, an AMA on on Reddit. Mm. Um, tra- I think Travis is the one that does it. Travis Hancock, um, um, but it might be Holly. Um, but they uh, answer like every question. It's super fascinating because they talk about making your own game company and how they test and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm always fascinated whenever one of these games come comes out because they have. Um, their their board game AMAs are some of the best ones that I've seen. So if you want to learn a little bit more about the company and just about design in general and running your own game company, if you can search up um, these those AMAs um, from for Facade, um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. And those games also are really well made. I love the production value. And I will say this: I like I s- said before. I'm definitely in that boat to, uh, unfortunately for Jonathan, I'm not very in love with trader games. I, I'm the kind of person who's excited who gets villager. Cause I, it's like, all right, basic <laughs> role. I don't have to worry about anything, Yeah, <laughs> but this one definitely like, it feels a lot better because you're not switching. You're still like, I'm still trying to make it to the end. And there's a lot of weird, fun ways to mess around with that. Like you, you don't have to worry. Like, Oh, am I reading this wrong? No, it's always numbers. And no one's going to mm-hmm. be weird at you if you look at your cards again because you're like, oh, he's just seeing how much... Because the way you become infected is if you get numbered cards, it was a seven was the... Six. Six. Uh, if you get six or higher in total value cards. And there's ways to swap them out and stuff. So it didn't feel nearly as bad. And like not like Battlestar 2, it's not like a three-hour-long game either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't want to get two hours into Battlestar and be like... <laughs> right. Oh yeah, you know where are my silods at, or you know, <laughs> and just ruin it. So yeah, yeah, I have been on the other side of that. Uh, whereas, I, what's great about a game like Resistance or something is, well, if you don't get it, you know, it's twenty minutes, thirty minutes, and then we play again, and now you get it. But in Battlestar Galactica, whenever you play with something for the first time, just like, look, I have to. I'm going to try to really hammer home all the rules for Cylons because once this game starts you just you're just in the deep end and good luck if you got that <laughs> and i'm just like i really hope whoever's a new player is not a bad guy because yeah it is it, it's it can be a lot of pressure and there's just there's not really a good way to do it other than like well watch a two-hour rules video or just play this four-hour game with us one time first uh it's kind of tough i'll also pile on and say more good things about facade games because uh, I kickstarted, I backed this this game, and for whatever reason, I don't know if it got lost in the mail or one of my neighbors stole it, but I did not receive uh, the initial copy, and I, I emailed them, and they happily sent me a, a replacement copy, uh, no charge or anything, and they, you know, they, didn't, they didn't know that I uh, am a board game media person or anything like that, so, uh, so you know, that's good. It seems like they're good people. Uh, so that's Bristol 1350 is the game we originally were talking about there. All right. A lot of cool stuff. I love hearing about all these games. We are going to close the show out with one of our world famous board game games. Board game game. That's right. So I have devised a board game game this week. And uh, Will and Eric, you will be competing against one another. Oh, no. Is it drawing? For supremacy. <laughs> yes. Uh, no no drawing will be involved, but uh, I did take some inspiration uh, from Monstrosity a little bit here for, for, this, for this game. Uh, it involves, I will be describing something, 
and you guys will be trying to get it right in your head. Of course, it's themed around board games themselves. That's why it's a board game game. So this week's game, it's called Box Art Breakdown, because you know we love alliteration here. I am going to be describing a board game box cover. And as you listen, you are going to be trying to shout out whoever is first to say what it is, if they're correct, will get a point. Now, the catch is, and I I don't know how this is going to (laughs) go. We'll see if this game works at all. It's not playtested. The catch is my descriptions are primarily I'm going to try to just talk about colors, shapes, and like positioning of things on the art. I'm not going to be saying like, oh, there's a cat on the cover or something like that. Is this Mysterium? (laughs) No, no, it's different. I'm going to be talking. So it's... um, you're going to have to kind of think maybe in an abstract way. I've tried to select game covers that I think are both relatively mainstream, uh, relatively known, and that have very elements that kind of pop out in your mind. So hopefully they'll be easier to to guess. I can't wait for a clue that isn't, that is the box is not a square. <laughs> that will not be, that will shape of the box will not be a factor. All right. So let's get into it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. And so just, um, I, I guess you can say buzz, buzz and buzz in or just shout out if you think you know the answer. <laughs> There's only two of you, so it's not that hard to keep track. Uh, and I guess I'll maybe I'll try to keep track of points. See, I'll, I'll keep track of points over here. All right. So here we go. So we're going to start with this first one. So get ready. Hands on your buzzers. Uh, all right. So our first box art. We are going to start. You got to think about the color red. A nice, a nice deep rich red some tone some orange tones in there uh buzz yes is it Catan? <laughs> yes yes it is Catan. what in the world <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say there's a big yellow circle and Look, i <laughs> you said bright red box it's like that's e- is easily where my mind went well I, I mean i started with maybe one of the most iconic board game covers so all right, point for Will. <laughs> I, was, I was like, hate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's see, how, let's see how the rest of this goes. We got more, don't worry. All right, uh, next we're going to go to, now I'm not, only, I'm not using a game more than once because once again, this has got a red box cover. Catan. Uh, very di- <laughs> a different, a slightly different shade of red, but a lot of red. I would. There are also several squares on this cover that are a tan or beige uh, color to them. Uh, they're kind of those squares are kind of uh, arranged in different ways, <laughs> kind of scattered on the on the cover there. Uh, there are also uh, some black outlines of symbols on these uh, squares uh buzz is it categories it is not categories okay. black outlines of symbols red tan and beige squares <sighs> uh, some yes mm. i'm gonna say some of them are vertical and vertical rows sorry <laughs> vertical columns some of them are horizontal in rows <laughs> and some of them intersect with each other these squares it, uh, uh, Hmm. <laughs> here's a little here's a hint for you this there are definitely multiple variations of this box art okay well my my original thought is it a code names version it is not a code names oh, okay but uh you're not too far off symbols you've each had uh you've each had uh one guess so so 
<laughs> According to the rules I just made up, you're both back in play. <laughs> <laughs> Columns, rows, there's tan and beige. Tan, almost like a wood texture to these squares. <laughs> like, uh, in fact, I would say it is a wood texture. <laughs> Oh, in God. fact, what's on this box art is r- quite literally pieces from the game. Is it? Is it Buzz? Is it? Um, <laughs> I mean, not Buzz. Is Buzz? You're buzzing. Yeah. Is it uh, a Ticket to Ride? No, it's not Ticket to Ride. Oh, are we give up? Are we calling this one? All right. Stumped uh, you on the question two. <laughs> give me a minute. Bright red, gross and calm. Boy, I thought you guys would get this one on squares. <laughs> Yeah, no. All right. All right. No points awarded. It was Scrabble. Oh. Oh. Those are the wooden tiles of Scrabble. It is a red box. You're right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, We've we've got more. All right. So we're going to have a mix of old and new games here. Now this one, okay, this one's tricky. This one is uh, like mostly a dark shade of blue. Uh, with some lighter blue and some purple in there. And at the center, there is a black, uh, deep shadowy black uh, with, uh, there's two triangles, two pointed uh, parts of this of this figure in the center. Uh, and then the title of the game is in the middle. So it's kind of like a dark blue uh, s- uh, swirl. It looks very hand-drawn, almost like a crayon or something, kind of. Um, buzz? Yes. Is it Onitama? I, Not only Tom, I mean yeah, um, that, the dream game. <laughs> yeah, it is Oni Rim. Um, I'll give you oh, half credit. I'll give you half credit for that. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll, uh, I'll allow it. <laughs> I was like, thinking. Starts of, with the no, my brain's like, is it Oni Tom? I'm like, that must be. And then until I say it, I'm like, well, wait. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking villainous, like one of the villainous versions. Mm, oh, that might be, that yeah, might that, be, um, that's definitely something. All right. All right. It's okay. We'll keep going. We've got more chances here. All right. Next game. Again, this one, this one, okay, the background is several overlapping circles, uh, kind of pink on the edges, more to orange and yellow in the center. And in the foreground, uh, there are two shapes that are pure, mostly black with some white in those shapes. Uh, and next to each one of those shapes is a smaller white shape uh sort of uh, like in, buzz yes oh wait is it fog of love no it is not fog oh. of love <laughs> uh you are you are close you are close <laughs> um wait uh, what were the colors uh so a lot of orange to yellow in the center oh is this uh code names this one is no! code names. <laughs> <laughs> i had the silhouettes you yeah, were so <laughs> close yes they're so similar but it wasn't there all right all right here we go next next round okay i'm going to tell you red again but this time it's just mainly one red rectangle uh at the center of this image and the background has a lot of light green. Oh, buzz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it Monopoly? It's Monopoly. <laughs> Boy, Will gracious. is the, he's got these. I'm bad with words. I'm good with <laughs> le- visual. I'm a visual learner. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, we've, uh, we'll, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. I'm having fun. 
Okay, this one's maybe a little bit, this is, this is a little bit more complex, a little trickier. Um, top half of this image, mostly gray, a very kind of dismal, dark, drab gray color. And as you get more towards like the bottom half, there's some, there's some greens, still kind of muted, nothing very bright, but uh, green, some uh, yellowish, orange, beige. There are also some larger shapes towards the center of this image that are, uh, I, they probably are like a, a dark, like a charcoal, uh, black or gray. <laughs> a buzz? Yes. Oh, okay, you go first. Oh, wait, did you? I did not oh. buzz. No. Oh, I thought I, I thought I heard a buzz. It My was mistake. it was a sigh. <laughs> is uh, is it scythe? Yes, it's scythe. <laughs> oh my gosh! That I was, was a thinking hard one. I was thinking something Euroy. I was like, okay, a sky full of gray. That's got to be. <laughs> oh be boy! Something. All right. Okay. All right. Get get ready for your on your buzzers for this next one. Pure black, and then there's some white. Buzz? Yes. Is it Cards Against Humanity? That's right. It's Cards Against hey! Humanity. You are on the board. I got it. There's still there's still time for you to to overtake this. There's enough. There's enough left. There's you got a few more. Uh, all right. This next one I would say is divided into sort of four different quadrants. So like one in each corner. Um, pretty colorful. Pretty bright. There's in the top right is um, some red. Top or bottom right is more black and gray. Oh. A bottom left, kind of more yellow, orange. Uh, the top left, or sorry, yeah, top left has more. Also, some 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 greens, some browns. There's a big or lush orange, kind of in the top center. Um, uh, you said quadrants, so there's four. I did. That's right. Um, uh, I'm gonna buzz. Uh huh. Huh? Is it dead last? No, it is not dead last. Uh, I'll do a guess now yeah, if I'm wrong. Yes, yes. Is it Scarabia? No, it is not Scarabia. Scarabia, however you say that game. <laughs> no, um, the title of this game is there's a it's printed in the center with a white uh, rectangle. And like I said, around it are kind of, it's not literally divided, so there aren't lines dividing it, but there certainly are four figures uh, situated in each corner. Uh, I'm going to buzz in. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> this is mostly just because you're doing more like old school games. Is it Jumanji? <laughs> no, it's not Jumanji. <laughs> uh, here's another hit. It is definitely a modern game. Oh. Hmm. Tricky. Um, where should I go with this? There's uh, it's white center four. It's colorful. It's definitely, you would call it colorful, although it's not uh, definitely cartoonish kind of look to it. This is, this is maybe cheating a little bit, almost like a <laughs> cheating in the game I made up, almost like a very hand-drawn illustrated kind of look. I don't think that's cheating. I think that's pretty good. The art style is interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's, there's a thing. Oh, man. I was trying to think of boards that are, or boxes that are separated into distinct areas it's definitely a game you've, you've definitely seen it you've probably played it um i'm trying to think if there's a, 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 a there's a there's i'd say there's like a, a natural theme to this cover <laughs> buzz yes is it parks no not oh. parks mm, should we call this that's one? actually what i was thinking <laughs> and i was like it does that divide it 
Yeah, I have no idea. Have I stumped the contestants yet again? Uh, this one was Root. Oh. Each corner okay. has one of these little critters standing in it. Yeah, sure. It's, yeah. All right. Tough one. Tough one. Tough one. All right. few more. Okay. How about this one? A, a grid of various multicolored squares. Buzz. Yes. Is it Hughes and Cues? No, it is not. Oh, <laughs> but I, uh, but I like the enthusiasm. Yes. Is it Blockus? No, it's not Blockus. Um, multiple different patterns, multiple in, in each square. Oh, no. Greens, um, blues. Oh, God. I, I think I know the first at the, letter. At the top of it, there is a brown uh, sort of stripe, or the title is, with a big blue circle uh, is up there as well. Um, hmm. The... Uh. The image depicted definitely depicts kind of what the game part of the game looks like. All right, I, I'm buzzing. I'm not sure it's exact. I'm really hoping it's close. Is it like Quirtle or Quirk? It's <laughs> no, it's oh. not. It's not either of those. <laughs> okay. I, there, I, was trying, I just want to know what this game I'm thinking now. Quirkle, like, yeah, Quirkle. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I would say um, again more again more muted kinds of colors. Greens, blues, a lot of different. Some some patterns are striped. It definitely looks like there's a very uh, not much rhyme or reason to what the patterns look like. They they look all over the place, a hodgepodge of different things. Um, again, as part of the title, there's a big blue circle, which is a is a component in the game. <laughs> um. Hmm. hmm. That's pretty. That's pretty much all there is. Um, is it? I, yes. uh, oh no, I don't think this is. Is it? Um, is it catchphrase? No. Mm-mm. What if I give you the designer? Is that, is that a good clue? Yeah, potentially. <laughs> Does this game designed by Uva Rosenberg? Oh, uh, Buzz. Mm-hmm. Is it okay? Well, here's the problem um is it <laughs> that's a lot of his covers maybe yeah is it um second chance no <laughs> but i'll give you a second chance <laughs> is it patchwork it's patchwork okay that oh, was the, the button yeah, yeah the blue, the blue yeah. button yeah yeah grid it's a it's a quilt because didn't he do second chance and patchwork doodle it's like the same game, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Only a lot of Uwe Rosenbergs are like <laughs> they, they can blend together. Sometimes. Don't hate the player. Yeah, that's right. No, no, no. Of course not. Um, all right, let's do let's do one more. Uh, now, this one once again, a lot of a lot of color going on, very vibrant. Uh, in the center, there's purples, there's pinks, orange, green, yellow, blue. I mean, every color, different shades. Uh, the background more a lot less color outside of the center almost really just purely black and white monstrosity that's right it's monstrosity (laughs) i didn't buzz because i was too excited (laughs) yeah i gave you that one hey i appreciate that (laughs) all right so that that ends our game with will winning with a score of 4.5 to eric's three but uh Good showing. Good showing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I think uh, it went well overall, and I'm I'm glad that I did it. I'm really proud of myself for that. Okay. <laughs> proud of you guys, though, more. Yeah, I was like, I'm glad you're proud of yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I deserve a lot of credit. So that was a lot of fun, and 
it was so much fun hanging out and talking to you, Eric. I'm glad you made the time to do it. Before we let you go, as a as a little bit of a level up bonus, you earned some experience points Ooh. this week, <laughs> and your your reward is you get to tell people where they can find you or what projects they should be looking forward to from you online. All right. Uh, so you can mostly find me on Twitter. I'm at Slauson Designs, S-L-A-U-S-O-N Designs. Um, you know, follow me. I'll follow you back. Send me a DM. I'm generally pretty open. Um, what else? Um, Monstrosity. We got a lot of stuff, a lot of cool stuff coming up this year. Uh, I can't talk about, but, uh, things that are, uh, recent that I can't talk about. Um, it is on roll 20, um, now, so you can play it, um, digitally with people all, all over the world. Um, the monsters, uh, or sorry, the robots expansion is, um, on roll 20 now, um, as a roll 20 exclusive, the card version of that, um, will be coming out later this year, I think in August, September or something like that. So, so um, if you've just gotten Monstrosity or you're playing through that and you want some more monsters, that'll come out. Uh, we have um, a science expansion coming out this year with um, it's all it's still the same Monstrosity, but it's all real life animals. Uh, we found like oh. weird, like, you know, sea creatures and weird birds and plants and all kinds of stuff. So, um, yeah, that one's a, a fun one. I'm looking forward to um man see what else is going on yeah mostly mostly monstrosity for the for the rest of the year there's some really cool stuff i wish it was like a month later that i could announce on the show (laughs) but um yeah something that i'm very very excited about um uh that i should stop talking now before i (laughs) I spoil (laughs) but cool things coming follow me on on twitter and you'll be the first to know can you tell us, is that going to be like on Kickstarter or? Um, it will be on Kickstarter. Yes, it is a, um, I guess I can say that it is a, uh, um, a collaboration of sorts. Um, yeah. Okay. So, all right. Well, once you can talk about it, we got to get you back on the show. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, yes. I love the science one because <laughs> as you said, I was using too much like actual like national geographic as jonathan said when describing the monster so now yeah it's it it's perfect it's like, <laughs> yeah, yes it's for people like you you're going to be like oh you know in its dorsal region there's blah blah, blah. people can be like what does that mean yeah uh i can't wait and of course i'm going to guess in maybe 2022 2023 we'll have your uh, metroidvania deck builder oh yeah 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 well it depends on how shipping goes you know with yeah. all the stuff that's going on uh, it might be a little bit later than that but uh, uh find links to all that stuff stay tuned for that if you i mean if you haven't played stuff like uh we talk about tattoo stories monstrosity you've got some other games out there you know look all that stuff up uh and and play those games and thank you eric for coming on the show thank you so much for having me and that is it for this episode. And thanks everybody for listening. Of course, if you want more Roll for Crit stuff, uh, I will plug our YouTube content, live streams, merch, and more at rollforcrit.com. Uh, and you can support us on Patreon if you want. Join our Discord server. Our Discord server? Oh, that's a that's a good pun. <laughs> our Discord server. Uh, or get our weekly bonus audio podcast, an extra hour if this isn't enough for you, at patreon.com slash rollforcrit. Or if you just want to rate and review us on iTunes, that's very nice. Uh, we got a nice review there the other day. Uh, so we, I appreciate that. I'll, I'll look at those. Maybe I'll read one or two on the show at some point. Uh, and if you want to send us an email, just a question or something you want us to discuss, or maybe there's just a game we haven't talked about that you want to hear our thoughts on, you can email us. Uh, use the address meeplegallery at gmail.com to join our Meeple Gallery, of course. 
And now that's really the end of the show. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm Will. And this has been Roll for Crit. Bye.